This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, dear radio friend. How in the world are you? You doing all right today? Well, that well-worn greeting establishes the fact that this is indeed your friend, Dr. Cook, speaking with you, sending you assurance of my love and prayers across the miles. I think of so many of you whom I know personally, and then I realize there are thousands more whom I shall never meet until we get to glory. Won't that be a great reunion? We ought to have a radio rally in heaven. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Send out a notice and say, at such and such an hour, there'll be a radio rally on the corner of Amen Street and Hallelujah Avenue. You come on over and we'll have a great time. <laughs> Oh, that'll be wonderful, and I get to meet some of you. I don't know how we'll look when we get to heaven. It's a question as to whether your human characteristics will all be reduplicated in that resurrection body. Although Paul said, Then shall I know even also as also I am known, which tells me that we will be recognizable. The disciples saw Moses and Elijah there on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they knew who they were. So my feeling is, although I can't prove this, I've been there yet, but my feeling is that we'll be recognizable there in the glory. And if that's true, I'm sure that somebody will come up to me and say, oh, you don't look at all alike like I thought you did. <laughs> People say that all the time when they'll, they'll meet me in a meeting or something. After a meeting, they'll come up and somebody will say, oh, you don't look like I thought you'd look. <laughs> or somebody else will say, you look just like I thought you'd look. <laughs> well, however... Some of us, you know, the scripture says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> Some of us really fulfill that scripture, don't we? Well, the the main thing is the kind of person that lives inside of that body. Isn't that true? Be sure that the spirit that lives inside of your body is sweet and blessed and full of the spirit of God. And then he can shine through you, no matter what the color of your hair or lack of same, in my case, might be. Well, we're looking at Mark chapter 6. We're just about through with that passage. He said, our Lord Jesus said to the disciples as he came walking there on the waves, he's master of the creation that he created. All things were made by him and without him, says John, was not anything made that was made. And so it was very easy for our Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to step on the water you and I wouldn't be able to do that. The water would would part and we'd sink. But there he was walking on the water. And he said, cheer up. Don't be afraid. It's I. Don't be afraid. And so he went up unto them into the ship and the wind ceased. Now notice the reaction of these people. It says they were sore amazed and beyond measure and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Now, what is this anyway? It is possible to be so close to divine working that you that you become impervious to any kind of a penetration of it into your life. One of the hardest people to win for Christ is a person who's been active in religion all his or her life. Because religious Phraseology has come to be part of the of the armor, you may say, of that person's personality. 
and the truth doesn't get through because it is stopped by the concepts and by the words and by the vocabulary and by the habit patterns that have been associated with religious work for years. Hard to get through. I personally have talked with people who I knew they, were, they, they weren't saved, they were just religious, highly trained and highly intelligent. But you talk with them and you'd find the individual as one did shaking his head and say, I don't, I don't really get what you're driving at, Cook. I, I just don't really get it. Here he was. He could quote scripture. He could tell you about the history of, of uh, all of the, the ancient nations uh, that have to do with biblical history. He was uh, a great philosopher. He could, he could line up his presuppositions in a row, as we say. But he'd look at me and he'd shake his head and say, I don't get it. See, Paul said quite truly, the natural, that is the unsaved man, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The miracle of the new birth opens your understanding so that you can begin to understand eternal matters. Somebody listening to me this minute says, Oh, Cook, come on now, I don't, I don't buy all of that. Of course you don't, and you won't until you say yes to Jesus Christ. When you commit yourself to him as Lord, you're going to get direction, first of all. Take the illustration of Saul of Tarsus, later called Paul the Apostle, there in, in the ninth chapter of Acts. Hurrying on his way to Damascus, murder in his heart, he was going to get rid of these Christians. Now he is intercepted there on the road, the shining light. He's, he's, he's off his uh, mount if he was riding, in any case, he's face down on the on the roadway, and uh, his first question is, as he hears that, that voice, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He says, who art thou, Lord? His first reaction is to acknowledge the lordship of the one speaking with him. And then came the answer, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for you to kick like a dumb ox against the ox goad. Now, his next question, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He's asking for directions, and he gets them. He says, go into Damascus, and we told you what you He was there then three days without sight, praying, seeking God. Finally, the Lord sent Ananias to lay his hands on him, and his eyesight was restored. He was filled with the Spirit of God. He began his meteoric career as a preacher, missionary, leader, of the New Testament church. God's choice of an apostle to take the place of Judas Iscariot. See, when you make Jesus Lord, here's the point I'm trying to put across. When you make Jesus Lord of your life, you do get directions, you do get understanding. You begin to understand who he is and what he wants you to do. Who art thou, Lord? What wilt thou have me to do? This is the essence of, of, of efficient living, isn't it? So you begin to understand who he is and what he wants you to do when you make him Lord. Today, if you've never opened your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, do so. How do you do this? It says, call upon him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Talk to him, that is to say, and ask him to come into your life, forgive your sins, and make you God's child. Do it right now before the end of the broadcast. You don't have to listen to me. It's not so important that you have to listen to me. Do it now. 
Get down on your knees, or if you're driving a car, pull off the side of the road as soon as you can and bow your head and say, Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to be Lord of my life. Please forgive my sins and make me a child of God. I want to know you today. Talk to him. Whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can promise you this. If in sincerity you open your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to come in, he will. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. See, the promise of the Lord Jesus Christ is that when you ask him to come into your life, he will. So when you do that, then what happens? Number one, you find out who he is. God in the flesh born of a virgin, dying for our sins, rising again for our justification, living today to be our intercessor at the right hand of God the Father, coming again in power and glory one of these days soon, it may be today. You get to know who he is, and second, you find out what he wants you to do. You get an understanding of the will of God for you. God has plans for you. Oh, hallelujah for that. It's great, isn't it? Well, it said, They considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. They were amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Why? They had been so close to deity that they had grown calluses, you may say, on their hearts, and the truth and blessing of God couldn't get in. Could that possibly be true of anybody listening to me today? So close to religious matters. Maybe you're a pastor or a missionary, or a teacher in a, in a Christian school, or a Sunday school teacher, or a professor in a Christian college or seminary. So close to religious matters that it's all become routine. I notice sometimes through the years that people who are active, you know, as their life's work, I mean to say active in religion, get a little impatient when you say, let's pray a while. And I've had people say to me, come on, let's get on with the business. Why? Because they've grown calluses on their heart in the matter of praying. Prayer is something that has for them become a formality to be gotten over with. I heard someone say years ago, let's get through with all that foolishness and get on to something worthwhile. Oh, how it grieved my heart, and I'm sure grieved the Spirit of God to hear something said like that. Well then, how do you get around this? How do you get around it? Well, I think you get around it, as Peter did, on another occasion when our Lord Jesus approached the disciples on this same basis from the stormy sea. Peter got down on his knees and he said, Depart from me, O Lord, I'm a sinful man. If you want God to strip the calluses away from your heart, get on your knees before God and confess your sins. The hardened heart is always the result of personal non-commitment, personal non-involvement and personal non-confession. You follow that? If I refuse to let God cleanse my sin, if I refuse to humble myself before him and acknowledge my need of him, if I neglect those times when he touches my heart until my eyes are wet and my heart is tender and my conscience is cleansed, if I do not meet my Lord in that kind of prayer, my heart gets hard and I begin to take uh, sacred things for granted 
and I begin to be formal and ritual and and uh, and crass and calloused about eternal matters. What's the answer to the hardened heart? Get down before God. That's right. Get down before God, and and wait before Him for a while. Make a list. Uh, Charles G. Finney used to say to his students, "Make a list of your sins." and start confessing and forsaking them. He said he had to have, Finney said he had to have a personal revival of that nature every two or three weeks or he would backslide. Well, it's an excellent thing to let God touch your heart, and the way to do it is to get down before him and confess your need and let him touch you once again. Humble yourselves therefore in the sight of God, and he shall lift you up. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. This is the message that will help you get rid of the hardened heart. Don't get so close to religion that you drift away from God. Dear Father, today, help us to get close to thee. Keep us from getting hard-hearted. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.